I have uh, finally figured out what was happening, and uh, at this time, I have Michael Nevradakis on the phone. Michael, are you there? I'm here. Glad to be with you. Oh, good to have you. You know, I uh, had some difficulty. You made the call back three times, which I appreciate very much, and uh, I'm glad to welcome you back to uh, WUSB uh, on this Thursday time. We used to be together uh, at this time uh, some months ago. You switched over to Friday, and now you're coming back to uh, Thursday, huh? Uh, yes, uh, the Alagos Radio, which is the show that I host, uh, the new season begins today, and uh, the time slot is back on Thursdays, uh, immediately after your show, every Thursday at 1 o'clock. Wonderful. Okay, well, I'll be responsible for getting that on the air, so we'll hope that we have a good season. I know that we'll have some good programming, because you made a reputation here at WUSB, so I'm glad to be back in touch with you. You know, a lot has happened uh, since uh, the time we talked last. Uh, I wonder, could you bring us up to date a little bit about how things are in Greece? I mean, there are some names like Varoufakis, Syriza. Uh, 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 there's talk about the uh, Troika and all of the uh, problems that have arisen in terms of forcing down the throats of the Greek people, some very severe forms of uh, of uh, debt repayment. What's the story? What's the latest? Can you give us some information, Michael? Well, it's been a very fiery summer politically in Greece. Uh, what is happening now in Greece is that uh, just um, eight months after parliamentary elections were held in January, new parliamentary elections are scheduled for this coming Sunday, September 20th. And the reason why that is happening has everything to do with the political developments of the past couple of months. On July 5th, a referendum was held uh, in which the Greek people were asked whether or not they approve of an austerity package that was proposed by the so-called Troika, uh, the European uh, Commission, the European Central Bank, and the International Monetary Fund. Uh, and this was a plan that was uh, heavily promoted by the German finance minister, Wolfgang Schäuble. And even though the uh, even though most media were predicting that it would be a very close result between yes and no in this referendum, the final result was actually an overwhelming no, an overwhelming rejection of these austerity measures. It was close to 62% of Greeks uh, who voted saying no in this referendum. And this led to a lot of excitement in Greece and around the world. Uh, it was seen as, some, uh, as, a, as a big step toward rejecting the austerity policies that have been enforced not just in Greece, but also in Spain and Portugal and Ireland and Italy and other countries experiencing economic crisis in Europe. What ended up happening, though, is the Syriza government, the supposedly left-wing government led by Alexis Tsipras and the finance minister at the time, Yanis Varoufakis, Essentially, they turned their back on the referendum result, and not only did they turn their back on the result, but they ended up agreeing to an even more severe set of austerity measures with the Troika, with the Europeans, uh, just about a week or so 
after the referendum. So it was a total rejection of the will of the Greek people. And this was uh, the beginning of the end for the Syriza government. Uh, there were objections, of course, from a large percentage of the, uh, the Greek populace. And there were also uh, people within Syriza and from Syriza's so-called left platform, which was a group within the, within the party, uh, that began to object to the uh, essentially the rejection of the uh, referendum result by Syriza's leadership. And uh, what ended up happening is a lot of the left platform members voted either no or voted to abstain. Uh, they abstained from uh, from voting in the uh, parliamentary uh, votes on the new agreement. And these agreements ended up having to be passed by Syriza with the votes of the opposition parties, the parties that were in power in Greece up until January and which were responsible for bringing austerity to Greece. Uh, so essentially Syriza was governing with the opposition. It had lost a significant percentage, percentage of its own members of parliament. And th there was really no way that this could continue because Syriza didn't have votes on other uh, on other issues that were before Parliament. It didn't have the opposition vote on those issues. It just had the opposition support in order to pass this new memorandum, these new austerity agreements. So uh, Alexis Tsipras, the, uh, the, the former prime minister by now, uh, called for early elections and he announced that the left platform members would not be on Syriza's ballot. So what the members of the left platform have done is form a new political party, which is known as Laiki Enotita, or Popular Unity, and they are running in the new elections, which are going to be held on Sunday. So that is the situation bringing us up to today. Sounds like a bit of manipulation there. Huh? <laughs> I mean, this is like, how do you deal with the will of the people when they want something in huge numbers in such large quantity? How do you deal with doing the opposite? That's what it seems like in exercising. Huh? And I guess it shouldn't be a shock to us because we experience the same thing here in this country, but it doesn't seem to be as flagrant and as obvious in our case. It takes a little digging below the surface, but in Greece it seems to be so clear and so obvious. What do you anticipate the outcome will be? What will be the reaction of the people as this progresses? Well, right now, uh, a very large percentage of uh, Greek citizens and those who are eligible to vote in Greece are very disenchanted with the political system in general, not just with Syriza, but with most of the parties. And uh, the predictions are that the abstention rate from the elections, which has, which has already been increasing significantly in recent years, will grow even more. Uh, it's very likely, in my estimation, that the uh, participation level in the elections will be below 60%, whereas uh, prior to the crisis in Greece, participation in elections was always above 85% or so. So there's been a big disenchantment uh, from a significant percentage of the Greek populace that has turned its back on the political system. Now, in terms of the actual results, 
it's very hard to predict exactly what will happen uh, other than some generalities. It seems clear at this point that Syriza's percentage is going to go down quite significantly from the 36% that it had in uh, January. And the public opinion polls, which are not really very believable, in fact, they've been discredited, but nevertheless, uh, they're the only thing that we have to go by at this point. They show uh, Syriza and the conservative New Democracy Power Party, which was in power prior to Syriza, neck and neck, very close. Uh, and there's a lot of talk, a lot of rumors in Greece that it's very likely that we will see Syriza, which up until January was campaigning as this radical leftist party, enter into a coalition with the conservative New Democracy Party. And of course, New Democracy is all too happy to continue the austerity measures that are being demanded by the Europeans. Uh, there, as for Laiki and Noti, the popular unity, the breakaway party, the polls, which again are not very credible, but they're the only thing that we have going for us right now in terms of an indication of what's happening, uh, are showing them all over the place. They've seen polls showing them below the 3% threshold to enter parliament. They've seen other polls showing them above 10%, uh, which would give them a chance of being the third party in parliament. Uh, I believe they will enter parliament. I don't believe they will do as well as some people think. And the reason for that is this. Even though they broke off of Syriza, uh, the members of what was Syriza's left platform broke off of Syriza to form the popular unity, essentially they broke off not even so much in disagreement over uh, Tsipras's about-face and his rejection of the austerity, austerity result. They left once Tsipras informed them that they, are, that they were not going to be included on the ballot in the upcoming elections. So there's a lot of political opportunism here uh, at play. Uh, aside from that, a lot of the members of, uh, of the popular unity, including their leader, Panayotis Lafazanis, were high-level members in the previous cities of government. Lafazanis was the energy minister, and uh, another prominent uh, candidate, Zoe Costandopoulou, who spoke recently at the UN in New York, she was the speaker of the parliament in uh, the previous government. So uh, a lot of people, and I happen to agree with this point of view, feel that they did not do enough, uh, that they, they talked a good talk, they had a fiery rhetoric, but when time came to actually uh, perform and take some action, they didn't do anything. They didn't leave Syriza when Syriza rejected the uh, referendum proposal. Uh, a lot of uh, the left platform members, including Zoe Kostandopoulou, voted present instead of voting no uh, in a lot of the crucial votes uh, to approve or disapprove the uh, new austerity packages. And the platform that Popular Unity is now running on resembles very much the platform that Syriza ran on in January. In fact, just like Syriza in January, they have not taken a very clear position on the issue of whether Greece should remain in the Euro or leave the Eurozone. They have not taken a clear position on the issue of whether Greece should remain a member state of the European Union or not. There's a lot of ambiguity, and that is basically leading people who have become very distrustful 
to believe that, like Iannotita, if they ever happened to get elected and uh, to be in a position of power, that they would basically be a repeat of what Syriza did in the past seven or eight months. So there's a lot of uh, cynicism, a lot of disenchantment, uh, a lot of fears that are uh, very legitimate considering what has happened in the past few months. And the most likely outcome will be that uh, Syriza, uh, even if it does not finish first, uh, will be part of a new coalition that will go ahead and enforce the new austerity agreements. Even if uh, new democracy is not part of this coalition, uh, for example, if new democracy finishes second, uh, it's very likely that other pro-memorandum parties like Basok, which was a former powerhouse and has really declined, but it's still possible that they will enter parliament. Uh, they're pro-austerity. There's another party called Botami, which is... Uh, basically led by a pro-austerity former celebrity journalist, uh, it's likely that they would be a part of a uh, governing coalition, and they're all in favor of austerity. So that's probably what uh, the future holds for Greece, uh, the day after the elections. And there's a lot of people who believe that whatever government comes out of this, since the political landscape is so fractured and so divided between so many different parties, that any new government is not going to last more than a few months again. So probably in a few months from now, maybe after the new year, we'll see new elections yet again in Greece. It just seems, though, that uh, all indications are that we might be able to boil this down to um, Maggie Thatcher, TNAA, TNA. There is no alternative. There is no other alternative. T-I-N-A. Absolutely. Those are uh, Margaret Thatcher's famous words, and that's something that is repeatedly said in Greece, that Greece has no alternative but to accept what the Europeans are proposing, uh, no uh, alternative to austerity, no alternative to remaining in the Eurozone, uh, no alternative to remaining in the European Union and in NATO as well. Uh, that's certainly what all of the media outlets in Greece are saying, and of course that has a major impact on on Greek public opinion. That's what the major political parties, including Syriza now, are saying that we had no choice. We had to agree that if we didn't agree, Greece would go to a catastrophic bankruptcy, a catastrophic default, uh, that bringing back the drachma would lead to hyperinflation, would lead to all sorts of other catastrophic effects on the Greek economy. And a lot of this is really just sensationalism and fear-mongering on the part of both the politicians and the media. A lot of the foreign media, the non-Greek media, have done the same as well. Uh, even though there's many economists, both Greek and non-Greek, who have presented very detailed plans as to how Greece or any other country that is uh, experiencing crisis and difficulties could go ahead with a very orderly exit from the Euro at the very least, if not also the European Union, and allow its economy to uh, grow and recover. And of course, uh, there's a lot of examples in history where countries have left currency unions uh, for one reason or another, and they have been able to recover economically. Uh, so there is precedent for Greece, but you're not going to hear that in most of the media and certainly in most of the Greek media. Well, uh, you know, I uh, I looked at it when we spoke last and in the aftermath of last January when I saw the prospect of something monumental happening in Greece, and I looked forward to it because I felt that that thinking could spread to us here 
in the USA. But I looked at it this way, that if uh, they went with austerity, there would be suffering with no light at the end of the tunnel. If they rejected the austerity and an orderly withdrawal from the EU took place, that there would be suffering, but there would be a light at the end of the tunnel. It seems to me that now there is no light. There is this uh, conglomeration of parties, new democracy, popular unity, Syriza, etc., 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 and it, it, it just seems to me to now represent just a rehashing and a re-examination and looking at it from different perspectives while never changing anything at all, that things will remain the same, that the same few will benefit, and that the people will suffer. And this seems to be international in nature. And where do we look? Maybe you can help me. Where do we look for our hope? Well, there's examples of countries that have done the opposite of what institutions such as the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the European Union have prescribed as the solution, as what they often call the bitter medicine uh, for uh, economic ills, which is neoliberal policies, austerities, uh, austerity uh, policies, cuts to salaries, cuts to pensions, cuts to social services, uh, firings and layoffs in the public sector, uh, reductions in uh, health and education and other vital services. Uh, one such country, uh, which is in the European sphere, is Iceland, which uh, had its own economic uh, bubble burst a few years ago with the outbreak of the uh, global economic crisis. Uh, they had developed a very oversized uh, banking sector. They had amassed a very significant debt, which was being thrust upon the shoulders of the uh, people of Iceland. But what the people of Iceland and their governments ended up doing was instead of agreeing to the measures being proposed by the likes of the, uh, the IMF, and the World Bank, they did the opposite. They refused to pay back this very large and odious debt. Uh, they did not care that uh, in particular British and Dutch banks were threatening them with legal action, taking them to the European Court of Justice and so forth. They refused to pay this debt. They put a lot of former politicians and bankers on trial uh, many of them were convicted. Some of them did end up in prison. There was even an effort, even though it was not completed, to create a new constitution with direct public consultation. In fact, they were attempting to crowdsource the constitution by getting public input through the Internet. Uh, so they... What the end result of this has been for Iceland, uh, even if they didn't complete this constitutional process, is that they did jail a lot of these politicians and bankers and put even more of them on trial. Uh, nothing happened to the country from a legal point of view, despite the, the threats from uh, Britain and from Holland. And their economy is the fastest growing economy in Europe. Uh, their unemployment rate has gone down significantly since uh, these uh, measures were enforced. And their economy has had the opposite direction of Greece, and not just Greece, but most of Europe, because most of the European continent is stagnating economically. And then aside from Iceland, there's also the example of Argentina uh, back in the early 2000s, which was a following 
uh, IMF austerity policies to a letter. They had privatized a significant percentage of the country's national industries and national assets and, and the banks as well. Uh, their currency was pegged to the U.S. dollar, putting them at a competitive disadvantage to other Latin American economies, such as Brazil. Uh, and finally, uh, they rejected these policies. They refused to pay an ever-growing and odious debt to primarily the United States. And once they rejected these measures and uh, reversed many of the privatizations and reversed the austerity measures, their economy for the next decade became one of the fastest growing economies, not just in Latin America, but throughout the world. Uh, and despite running into a few difficulties in the past few years, as a result primarily of the global economic downturn, they are still in a much, much better uh economic position than they were when they were enforcing these IMF policies to the letter. And despite the fact that U.S. vulture funds and hedge funds have taken them to court in the United States, uh, Argentina, through a series of very clever legal maneuvers, has been able to sidestep these rulings from the U.S. Supreme Court and from other courts in the United States and has been able to continue uh, enforcing the same policies which helped it, uh, helped it recover. Well, now, there, the question now changes slightly in my mind, but my thinking doesn't change. There are the two examples, Argentina and Iceland. What is it that, what, what is it, that it will take in order to bring Greece to that level of resistance and that level of willingness to uh, fly in the face, if you will, of conventional wisdom. What is it that is necessary in our country to realize that the same forces are at work here? You mentioned hedge funders, uh, the vultures. Well, they're now getting ready to close in on Puerto Rico. So what is it that's missing in our various countries that will give us the gumption, the strength, to strike out on a new path? Well, one, one very key ingredient is just public awareness and the fact that most people or a, a lot of people are still informed about what is happening around them uh, from major mainstream media outlets which have absolutely no interest in uh, presenting any point of view that counters the uh, hegemonic neoliberal policies that are being enforced in Europe, in the United States, and elsewhere. Uh, but there are plenty of alternative information sources available online uh, and also through community media outlets. WUSB is one such outlet. Uh, and there is an increasing amount of people in Europe, in Greece, in the United States that is beginning to get their information not from CNN, not from Reuters, not from the major media outlets, but from media outlets that are not corporate controlled and uh, outlets that do not belong to major multinational corporations that have a vested interest in the current economic order. But that is just one ingredient. Uh, because there's still a gap between getting information and turning that into action. An example of that is Greece. 62% of people back in July rejected uh, the austerity measures that were being proposed by the Europeans. That alone is a significant result. It shows that there's a lot of people in Greece that have finally uh, had enough with uh, the politics that are being enforced. But that has not translated so far 
into any sort of mass resistance. Uh, the elections on Sunday are probably not going to change anything significantly. There certainly haven't been people coming out onto the streets uh, in the past couple of months in any sort of massive numbers. Uh, there's still a bit of, um, I guess some would call it perhaps complacency, uh, perhaps disenchantment, perhaps people are taking a wait-and-see approach. Uh, and there's a lot of fears, and I'm sorry to say this, that perhaps the situation in Greece is, and, and in countries like Greece is going to have to get even worse uh, before things begin to get better. Uh, I don't know if that uh, inevitably has to be the case or not. Uh, I don't know if people are waiting to see here in Greece at least what is going to happen uh, the day after the elections. Uh, if people are going to be more willing to openly resist uh, a new government that will continue down the austerity path. Uh, it remains to be seen, but again, information is key. Um, people, I believe, need to turn their backs on major media outlets that have been completely discredited. I can give you an example from Greece. Uh, many of the uh, reporters and uh, correspondents who are reporting out of Greece for outlets such as NPR, uh, the Associated Press, Reuters, uh, all of the major outlets uh, have done an absolutely atrocious job in uh, reporting from Greece. The reporting is very biased. There's a very clear uh, bias in favor of uh, enforcing more austerity. And I'll give a very simple example. Even when they use the word bailout, it makes it sound like Greece is being helped out, that it's receiving free money, that uh, the European uh, partners of Greece, as they call them, are putting their hands in their pockets and giving free money to Greece and the Greek people so that they can continue to not work and be lazy and uh, do whatever they were doing that led them into the crisis. That's the narrative that they're selling. It's completely wrong, of course. Uh, prior to the referendum, these were the media outlets that were trying to convince everyone around the world uh, that uh, yes would prevail, that the Greek people, in other words, would vote in favor of the austerity package uh, proposed by the Europeans, that they wanted stability and uh, wanted to remain in Europe. Um, and that's what they've been selling. And I can say uh, on a personal level that I've met many of these correspondents uh, not only are they bad at their jobs, but they're bad people as well. And it's unfortunate that they are the voice of Greece internationally. Well, listen, I think what we'll do is we'll conclude this now. We'll make a resolution to remain in touch because what happens in Greece is going to be what happens throughout the world. And as we come to a clearer recognition that we must put aside the commercial media outlets that you refer to, this is a very appropriate time to mention your Radio Dialogos and its reintroduction to the listeners on Thursday. So would you do that once again? And we'll conclude until our next conversation, Michael. Absolutely. The Alagos Radio is uh, returning with a new season of programs today, right after, uh, right after your program at uh, 1 p.m. on WUSB. And today's broadcast, in fact, for anyone that is interested in the upcoming elections in Greece, will feature two interviews from uh, about the elections. One is uh, with the well-known analyst, James uh, Petras, uh, former advisor to the likes of uh, Salvador Allende, Hugo Chavez, Andreas Papandreou in Greece. He's written a lot about Greece in recent months. 
uh, and he spoke to us. Uh, he will speak to us about the uh, the upcoming elections and his insights. And we will be speaking to an, an analyst from Greece by the name of Leonidas Vatikiotis, who was a member of the parliamentary commission in Greece that audited the Greek national debt. So he will speak to us with his insights economically and politically about what is happening in Greece. We'll have our own commentary and analysis as well. So that is our pre-election special, so to speak, that is coming up today at 1 o'clock on the Alagos Radio on WSB. Wonderful. Michael, it's been good talking with you. Uh, thank you very much. I, I will certainly remain in touch with you and also listen to what information is forthcoming from Radio Dialogos, and I'm very happy to be putting it on the air for the coming season. Thanks a lot for being with me today and with the listeners here at WUSB. Well, Bill, thanks for having me. Okay, Michael. We'll talk soon again.